Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! It may be because he's Swiss, I don't know, in terms of European style. I can take you to Suplex City tonight, bitch. Can you say the alphabet backwards? Walk and look your ass backwards. You're not funny and nobody likes you. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. One year ago. I had the amazing honor of talking to Chris Jericho right here on WrestleRant Radio for a great interview for HiddenRemote.com. And in the years since then, it's been a monumental year for WrestleRant Radio. We've talked to Gabby from Tough Enough, Brodus Clay, a.k.a. Tyrus from TNA, formerly known as Brodus Clay in WWE, former WWE and WCW World Heavyweight Champion Goldberg last November. We talked to Magnus, a.k.a. Nick Aldis, right here on WrestleRant Radio earlier on this year. But today, we got our biggest interview today with one of the greatest, in my personal opinion, not one of, but the single greatest wrestling commentators of all time. And I promise you it's going to be a slobber knocker of a show right here today on WrestleRant Radio. You got it. We got the WWE Hall of Famer, good old JR, Jim Ross, for an exclusive interview. Yours truly, Graham, Gius, and Matthews, we got him on WrestleRant Radio here today in an article that's also going up on Bleach Report in a couple days, but we got the exclusive audio, over 30 minutes of a great in-depth conversation with good old JR talking his commentary work for New Japan Pro Wrestling going on right now every single Friday night only on Access TV at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We're talking about his time in NXT, who is the future star of the WWE, who in the wrestling scene today could future could become a future commentator, perhaps, once they retire from the ring. Um, we're talking a slew of topics on WrestleRant Radio here today. It's an interview you're not going to want to miss. And and I only have you guys to thank. I got the opportunity to do this last week. I talked to him earlier today, and the interview is going up right now. So wait no more. You don't have to. The interview is going up in article form on Friday, or later on this week, rather. Not exactly sure what day, but hopefully Friday for Bleach Report. But you guys got the exclusive audio on WrestleRant Radio right here today. It's an amazing interview, and it was a great time talking to him. And like I said, a huge honor. Only made possible by you guys, so thank you for your support, sharing the show, tweeting out the links, and so on and so forth. I say it all the time, but your support is just amazingly appreciated, and it means the world to me. And it leads to stuff like this. Talking to Jim Ross, of all people, guys. The greatest wrestling commentator of all time. And if I'm marking out, if it sounds like I'm marking out, it's big as I am. Great opportunity. We're talking to him right here today on the show. But before that, I'll just say this much. After the interview, if you want to stick around for my two cents on Raw from last night, as well as Roadblock, WWE Roadblock from the WWE Network on Saturday night, the live special, I'll be talking all about that in the second half of the show. And I will say this much too, I'm talking to another commentator on Thursday, and I can't say who it is just yet, because if it doesn't happen, then obviously it won't happen, I'll be hyping it up for nothing. So I want to make sure it's in the can first before I announce who it is, and if it does come to fruition, and it's looking like it will. Um, I will announce the uh, the you know identity of this individual this coming Friday after I talk to them, and the interview should be up next Tuesday right here on WrestleRant Radio. So a little bit, a little, little one-two for you guys. We got a great interview today with Jim Ross and another commentator next week right here 
on WrestleRant Radio. Only for you fine folks, the loyal listeners of WrestleRant Radio every single Tuesday right here on NextDayWrestling.net. So without further ado, guys, enjoy my exclusive interview with the one, the only, the WWE Hall of Famer, and like I said earlier, in my personal opinion, the greatest wrestling commentator of all time, good old JR, Jim Ross. Hey, Jim, how's it going today? Good, how are you doing? Doing good, doing good. So of course, you're doing play-by-play commentary for Access TV, New Japan Pro Wrestling. My first question for you, what was the deciding factor in you wanting to do play-by-play commentary for New Japan Pro Wrestling? What was it about it that made you want to go there and to say that I want to conquer this, I want to explore this venture? Well, I like the product very much. Uh, I have uh, discovered that uh, Access TV is a great network to work for. Mark Cuban's staff has uh, been extremely professional. Uh, and I like the schedule, going out to L.A., you know, eight, nine times a year and, and uh, voicing over over a two-day period, a cluster of shows. Uh, it really fits my uh, travel, uh, not to say demands, but, you know, what I travel preferences, I guess. So uh, a lot of good things, you know, I, but the main thing is if I didn't like the wrestling, if I didn't like the product, I, I wouldn't do it just for the payday. Even mm-hmm. though the schedule is nice and the people I'm working with are good, uh, I you know I got to be able to mostly invest in what I'm calling, and I can do that with this product. And for me personally, I never really watched much of New Japan Pro Wrestling up until last year, until I heard that you were calling the Wrestle Kingdom Nine show last January and January of. 2015 on your birthday that is uh, last year and it was a great show obviously you added to the atmosphere of the event itself it was an awesome time and I've been checking out the product more currently um, so what was that experience like for you calling Wrestle Kingdom 9 last January and what were the similarities and differences because of course Wrestlemania or Wrestle Kingdom rather for those unfamiliar is kind of like their version of Wrestlemania so what were the similarities and differences between Wrestlemania and Wrestle Kingdom for you well, it was an adventure uh, going to Tokyo uh, because obviously the travel, uh, the language barrier. You know, I don't speak great English, so first of all, so me explaining myself to someone that uh, speaks only Japanese can be somewhat entertaining. But I, I can give this story real quick. Uh, we came on the air for that, that show, the pay-per-view of Wrestle Kingdom 9. We were not counted on the air. So I started talking because I saw the Japanese broadcasters talking. So I figured we were on the air. and uh, But I thought this will change because we'll get, we'll get some counts to, uh, you know, interviews or pyro or whatever, off the air even. Nothing. We, we were there over three hours and never heard from the truck once. So we, I came on the air guessing when, when to come on. I said goodnight when I thought it was appropriate. And uh, we just, we called the show completely unencumbered. And but with nothing, no communication. So that's how that show went. So you can imagine it's not that way with WWE. Uh, they're a lot more uh, hands-on, and the production is much more meticulous and uh, thorough. So uh, you got more. And, and, and of course, the, you know, it's hard to equate it, quite frankly, because with the WWE crew, you know, the same guy's been around for a long time. You work your audio guy, your stage manager, all that stuff. You know, they're good people. So uh, this it was so it was an adventure. I, I I had a blast, you know. I was we could, we were either going to be good, Striker and I, or we weren't, and it's going to be our deal, period, because we weren't getting any help or hindrance in our headset. So, what was it like working with Matt Striker? I know you guys had some experience in working together for a brief period of time back in 2010 on the SmackDown brand. So, what was it kind of like uh, reuniting with him for the Wrestle Kingdom Nine show? 
Well, he's entertaining. You know, he's a he's a unique cat, and he's got uh, you know unique views of, of things. And and uh, I like the fact that he thinks outside the box, and he's willing to express himself uh, when at times others may not uh, uh, do so. So he, he's always good to work with. He's got product knowledge, uh, and uh, so he's a. He's, he's quirky. He reminds me of George Costanza a little bit. He's the George Costanza of broadcasters. He's got high IQ, always asking questions, has a unique vent on things. So, uh, but he's fun to work with. You know, I had, it was, that was the easy part. You know, working with Matt's not, not challenging at all. So it made, it made the broadcast better, I think. Now, that's a great comparison. No, I absolutely agree. I felt like you guys made for a great team for that show. And also, speaking of New Japan Pro Wrestling, along with AJ Styles and Suzuki, or uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, rather, are there any other potential stars in that promotion right now that you would feel that would thrive in WWE at the moment? Well, they got a lot of good young guys. You know, it's a, some of it would be a commitment to see if WWE would commit to uh, really utilizing uh, all the way to the main event level smaller guys. That that would if that were true, then there are a lot of guys there that have a good shot because they're, they have great skill sets. Uh, Ibushi's very good. Uh, you know, I like Kenta a lot. Really talented. They they have a lot of guys. They're just you know with with uh, Shinsuke Nakamura leaving and Gallows and Ander- and uh, Anderson and of course uh, AJ. Uh, it really opens the door for uh, some elevation for some guys. So I think what. I'm looking at is a very competitive marketplace for them in their locker room to see who's going to get their market share of those uh, uh, guys that have left. And it's a, that's always a good situation. It's good for the locker room. It's good for the fans. It, sh- it reshuffles your deck and doesn't allow your roster to get stale. So uh, people leaving and coming and going is not a bad thing. And you had AJ on your podcast a couple of years ago talking about his time in TNA, potentially going to WWE. Of course, this was recorded before he went to WWE and after he left the TNA. Um, but what have your thoughts been so far? I know you've touched upon this before on your podcast and on your blogs and whatnot. What have, what have been your thoughts so far on AJ Styles and how they've utilized him so far in WWE? I have no issues with it at all. I like the fact that he got a spotlight at the Royal Rumble. Uh, I thought that was, was good. Uh, and... I thought his, his uh, uh, efforts in the Rumble were well-received and stood out. I remembered what he did. I remembered him entering and all that stuff, his presentation. So that, to me, was a hit. Uh, but he's, luckily, he's been married to Jericho, and Jericho, is uh, Chris, is a really obviously skilled uh, hand that knows what is required to, uh, to get the job done, where that job may be. So I like the fact that they split him up after the little... Uh, tag team uh, flirtation because I think WWE has seemingly committed that they want to get AJ a signature win in his first WrestleMania and beating the first ever undisputed champion is a I would think a nice way of doing that should be a great story to be the announcer should have a great story to tell uh, in that match so uh, and those guys have a chance to really impact the show in a positive way mm-hmm. i.e. maybe steal the show uh, because I don't know what to expect of that match. It's, a, it's an undercard match. It's a preliminary match. It's not a main event. But I think both guys are going to wrestle it as a main event, which is always uh, the right thing to do. Give your best effort uh, and, and try to steal the show. Not a bad thing. 
Absolutely. And like you said, I feel like the story is there. They've been building towards this. As you mentioned, since Styles came into the Rumble match, they've got two months under their belt. They've had some great matches at Fastlane on Raw, SmackDown. And speaking of which, like you said, the commentators should have just a ball calling the match at WrestleMania. I mean, it's yet to be confirmed, but it's looking like that's the that's the direction they're going in. And one of those matches, like I said, came on SmackDown a few weeks ago, being called by none other than Mauro Ronaldo, who uh, previously did the play-by-play commentary before you for uh, Access TV for New Japan Pro Wrestling. What have your thoughts been so far on his addition to the SmackDown brand and his th- and your thoughts on him just as a commentator in general. Well, Mauro and I have been friends for a long time, and I've admired his work since, uh, really, I started calling him in Pride way back in the day, and then, you know, then in more recent times on Strike Force, and uh, selected Showtime boxing events. Uh, my new boxing partner, Al Bernstein, and he are partners on Showtime. I enjoyed their work a great deal. So, uh, so Marlon's doing, doing really good. I mean, he's, he's adding uh, a new voice and a new delivery, a new philosophy somewhat uh, to uh, the broadcast table at WWE. And I think that uh, with the antagonist Jerry Lawler uh, continuing to evolve back into that role, I think that uh, they're going to mesh very well. So uh, Marlon was a great hire uh, by WWE, I think, a great hire. And, you know, obviously... It created an opportunity for me, and I, of which I am embracing. When my agent called, said to Access TV called and wants you to know if you're interested in doing the New Japan Wrestling. And you know, my first question was, well, what about Morrow? Because mm-hmm. I had no desire to interview for a job if it was going to uh, cost Morrow a situation, a, a position whatsoever. It just wasn't that would never happen for me. So uh, I'm happy that uh, he got an opportunity and with WWE because that was his goal, certainly one of his goals, and they're allowing him to continue to do MMA. He does, you know, he's done uh, this week in uh, MMA on Access on Friday nights. He's in the host of that mm-hmm. uh, with Boss Rutten. So uh, I'm glad to see him doing all the things he likes to do. He's a good guy. He has some battles that he, he, he wages daily. Uh, that I'm, uh, He's an honorable guy, and he's... Uh, yeah, he deserves success, so I'm happy for him. I just feel badly that some people in, in Twitter can't seemingly mention him without mentioning me in some shape, form, or fashion. Uh, and uh, because he's, he and I are different, we're different cats. You know, we're we're not just we're, we do the same job, but we do it differently. And there are some similarities, but uh, basically, he's his guy and I'm mine. And I wish him nothing but the best. And but I will tell you that uh, Josh Barnett and I have uh, have our plan that we're going to be the best pro wrestling broadcast team in the business. That's our goal. So, uh, and it's not a matter of if we're going to do it, it's a matter of when we're going to do it because we both have that strong mindset and we're competitive. So, it's a, it's a fun time. It's a good time. I'm glad to get some skin back in the game. It's good to, good to get a jersey and start playing again. <laughs> And I think moreover than anything else as well, I think his addition to SmackDown kind of gives that brand uh, a fresh feel for the first time in a long time. And I know you've talked about this as well, you know, in past years, what they can do to kind of differentiate SmackDown from Raw because they kind of feel like the same product. And adding a commentator who isn't available on Raw, Mauro Ronaldo, and kind of changing up the look of the show and promoting stuff in advance, stuff they haven't done in many years since, you know, your time in calling SmackDown back in 08, 2009. Um, I mean, this has been a huge topic for a while now, but do you feel, in your personal opinion, that kind of changing up the landscape of Raw from SmackDown is kind of a uh, a sign of things to come with a potential return of the brand split? Do you feel it's necessary or even viable right now to have a brand split in the WWE? I don't have any 
have any issues with brand split if it's uh, pure and there's no intermingling. Uh, there's no intergender stuff uh, to any degree at all. If you are going to have a brand split, then, then make it that. Uh, and then strategically plan for a cross-pollination. It's just not done because you don't have a better idea for TV this week. I'd also have the writers, uh, exclusive Raw and exclusive SmackDown writers. And, and I'd, I'd like for them to compete against each other a little bit more. And, and the same with the roster. Build your own roster, do your storylines, and, uh, uh, you know, from show to show. But the only thing about that, and then you get on Raw, you do some highlight package of SmackDown so people can see what's going on. And likewise, on SmackDown, a little highlight package from Raw. But it'd be, it'd be clear that it was a Raw, Raw inclusion or SmackDown inclusion in those shows. So uh, you keep it separate as much as you can, I think, is the best way of doing that. Um, it's a matter of having, can you get 16 or 18 guys and gals uh, on each roster, maybe 20? Can you, you have 40 players? And that, what it does, it, it certainly in theory, opens up slots for guys to come, and women to come in and uh, to fill those slots and get, their, get some playing time. So I don't have any issue with the brand split as long as there's certain rules of engagement that are followed. But if it's just the same old, uh, we're going to have a brand split and then we're going to, in two or three weeks, we're already mixing metaphors, so to speak. Uh, I'm not for that. So uh, I don't know what they're going to do after WrestleMania, but I, I know that you would think that you will see the uh, the flow of new talent being introduced, hopefully in a systematic, impactful way, well-thought-out plan after WrestleMania. No sense in introducing anybody new before WrestleMania, in my estimation. No, yeah, I agree. I feel like, especially right after WrestleMania, that's traditionally the time they call people up from NXT. I mean, last year we saw Neville, the Lucha Dragons, all the women during the summer. So, I mean, I feel like that's the time. Maybe we see Balor or Enzo and Cass or a few other fresh faces from NXT. But, yeah, I agree. I mean, especially towards the end, too. The brand split was muddled, and, you know, like you said, they were kind of doing the cross-promotion stuff way too much towards the end, so it didn't really work. But if they need to do it, it needs to be absolutely pure. Um, But also, speaking of the current roster, is there anyone, not only in WWE, but just in wrestling today, just in general, do you feel that could be a future commentator once they retire from the ring as someone like... You know, there, there's been many people over the years. Even Matt Stryker, a former competitor, is now doing the commentary for Lucha Underground. So do you feel like anyone in the wrestling scene today would make a great commentator once they're done with their in-ring wrestling days? Well, there should be. Yeah, the, the, the gift that they have to have is uh, they have to be able to put uh, other talents over, not just themselves. Uh, I've done commentary, uh, guest commentary shots and shows and pay-per-views and various sundry things with wrestlers. They're very good at talking about themselves, by and large. But the good ones, the really ones that get great at it, are the ones that can put other talents over. And, uh, you know, uh, that's why Heenan and Lawler uh, were great. Terry Funk was very underrated in that role. In today's world, uh, you know, there's probably a lot of guys, you know, it it depends on how much of a student of broadcasting they want to become. And are they willing to put the time in preparation and study that they did in learning to work and get their bodies in shape and all that, all that stuff aesthetically. And uh, are you willing to invest the same amount of time and effort into becoming a broadcaster? Because you can't be a, a wrestler on the mic. You've got to transition to becoming a broadcaster. And, uh, and that is a matter of individual commitment. But as far as being glib 
uh, intelligent and being able to, to uh, process the information and repeat it. I would think there's a lot of guys there. You know, uh, Big Show's actually got a very good gift of gab, uh, for example. Probably be, uh, he'd, be the, he's, he'd sort of be the world's largest broadcaster, so uh, for what that's worth. But, but there should be a lot of guys there, but it's just not automatic because they were good in the ring. They're going to be good telling stories and putting talents over and positioning the talents in a, in a proper way. It's a challenging job, especially in WWE where they have so many uh, masters to serve, like, you know, social media and shopping and uh, other company news. You know, they use that three-hour show on Monday night for a, a multitude of things, and a lot of it's platform to disseminate information and, uh, and, and sales material as well. So it's, a, it's not easy, but there should be plenty of guys there. I mean, I don't know. I can sit down with them in a day if guys have wanted to audition and audition them and give you a list. I need to kind of see how they, how they, how they do and how they sound on the headset and all that good stuff. And of course, in WWE and most broadcasting, the look is important. So that's why, you know, Byron Saxon has such a, has such a, a presence. He's on both shows, Monday mm-hmm. and, and Thursday. So he's getting a tremendous amount of exposure, uh, an amazing opportunity to really break through because he's got a great look and he's uh, intelligent and well-spoken. He needs to be uh, make, becoming a star right now because he's got that golden opportunity on two primetime TV shows a week uh, to get quote-unquote over. And, and but he, he'll get over by getting talent over. It works that way. It doesn't come him first and then them. It's them and then he tags along and organically gets over as well. Yeah, I think you'd be a perfect example because he was another guy that was also a wrestler. I mean, not many people knew that because he only competed, I think, on NXT for a time before kind of becoming a commentator full-time. I think Corey Graves is another guy, too, who also has kind of come into his own as a commentator after retiring from the ring a couple of years ago. And I know you've talked about The Miz before and his role is kind of out as a manager in the future, but he also kind of tried his hand as a commentator a couple of years ago, and he did pretty well at it. So those are some guys. All those guys you mentioned are, again, I'm sure could, uh, morph into that role very well. Mm-hmm. But here's the point I was making uh, that Corey Grace is getting time on NXT and he's uh, he is doing a, a really good job. He's, you can tell he's working at it. He's getting better. Uh, and he's, he's improving every week seemingly. But he doesn't get the exposure that Byron Saxon gets on Monday Night Raw and, and SmackDown. Mm-hmm. So Byron's the guy that's sitting in the greatest spot of all because he's got the most exposure. He's the youngest. Uh, he's unique, being a man of color. Uh, great uh, great personality. Uh, really intelligent kid. So he's the guy that, that, that they're shining the light on. Whether he's fully aware of that or anybody else around him is fully aware of that or not, it's pretty obvious to me. And, and, I, I, and I applaud the move. I just think, hey, look, here's the chance you got, Byron. I'd grab this son of a gun and... Uh, you know, this is this one I get. This one I get in mind, and I want to. I want to establish my body of work, and my body of work is what's going to carry me uh, forward in this in this process. 
And also as well, I mean, you mentioned NXT, and I was watching the most recent DVD they just came out with, the greatest matches in NXT history. And of course, you called the number of matches early on in the promotion's history back in 2012 when you were doing commentary alongside uh, William Regal, which on paper is a dream team, and it absolutely was. You guys worked great together. And of course, now Regal is doing the uh, the GM role, the general manager role for NXT. So um, during at that time, what was your experience, you know, doing commentary for NXT and, and doing it? Early on in 2012, and now four years later, did you think doing commentary back when they first revamped the product was that it would become what it has become today? Well, did, uh, you said you watched the uh, best uh, of DVD mm-hmm. of NXT matches. Did any of my matches make the air? Yeah, I think mm, a couple of the matches that you called, I think the Seth Rollins and Jinder Mahal one. And there was another one from 2012 that I know you called it. It might have been after that, because I know that NXT, that was the crown the first ever NXT champion. And there was another match you called, too. Uh, but I know definitely Seth Rollins and Jinder Mahal was on there. It uh, it's great, though. I haven't heard that work back. I, I've never heard my work from NXT. Wow, really? Uh, back in the day, huh? So I'll, I think I'll get the DVD and, and check it out. So thanks for that info. I enjoyed uh, doing the work down there because it was pure. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was a... A status or a situation where uh, it was all about the product. Uh, the politics were uh, kind of melted away, and uh, there was a lot of pretense, a lot of supposition. It was very straightforward, positive. Uh, kids are bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, as they say. They wanted to learn. Their minds are open. Uh, they saw opportunity awaiting them. So they, it was a really refreshing, positive environment to be around. And I, I will tell you that in my last several years at WWE, the, the, my favorite thing to do was to go to Florida and work with the uh, NXT kids because that's the future of the business. The WWE has no investment in their company more important than uh, their performance center because the, t- the WWE runs on two things, talent and television. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and without uh, a new uh, a stream of new stars, being developed, they're in big, big trouble. People get tired simply uh, very easily now, and their attention spans are shorter, and they get tired of people, and the wrong turn in the road creatively can, can burn somebody, just like uh, Roman Reigns is miscast as a fan favorite when he's not one right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he'd be a phenomenal villain, uh, and I think that's what the fans are trying to say. So, uh, but I had a great time down there, and it was good to be around that environment. I think Wrestling and life in general needs more mentors and coaches, life coaches. That's what the, all the, the veterans down in, in NXT have the opportunity uh, to contribute. They can have an opportunity to contribute to the foundation uh, and the fundamentals of the, these, the careers of these men and women that are going to lead the company in the future. Uh, so so I, I had a great time. I saw what was there. It was an extension of what we did in OVW and, and, and Louisville, of course, in Cincinnati with uh, Les Thatcher and mm-hmm. uh, down in Memphis, uh, Rick Baskin out in California, you know, all of our little developmental areas and, and cooperative ventures that we had. So uh, it's amazing to see where it's morphed to. But I couldn't, I, I didn't know, when I saw the influx of talent and how they had, they stayed, they've gone away from just hiring raw rookies or, or two or really, really green indie guys and started bringing in the, the Valors and Samoa Joes and, you know, uh, all the Shield guys, uh, you know, those guys had, had experience except for Reigns. So they brought in some guys that had a little bit more polish. So that told me that this thing could really be a, 
a good third brand. And a third brand doesn't mean it's the last brand. It's just another brand. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, and quite frankly, some people seem to be more passionate about NXT and their presentation than they are uh, the main roster at times. Yeah, it's crazy. If you look at the Krupa, the Krupa guys they have right now, like you mentioned, before they started bringing the Ballers and the Joes, the Hideo Tommies, and so on and so forth. And on that DVD, the two matches, I'm looking at them here, Seth Rollins and Jinder Mahal to crown the first ever NXT champion, which you called. And I believe you also called Seth Rollins versus Big E Langston for the NXT championship too. And I think it was after the first match, after Rollins won the championship and you call that match, you see all the guys come out. You see Roman Reigns. You see uh, not Dean Ambrose. I don't think he was there at that time. But there was a number of other people that are now future stars in the promotion. Biggie Langston, you know, the New Day, all these guys that are, were a major part of WrestleMania last year. So in the last three to four years alone, it's just amazing to see what's in, what it's evolved into. Um, but speaking of which, too, is there anyone a part of NXT right now that you would feel that you feel currently would be a huge big money player for WWE down the line once they get the main roster call up? Someone like a Balor or a Joe, as you mentioned. All the normal suspects are are, are potentially uh, main players. It's not so much. It's less about all. Of it. It's it's less about being all of them, and more about being a really uh, strategic cooperative effort to roll out their new model to introduce them to the world in a in an impactful significant way uh there's no doubt that that if booked properly and obviously there are several guys in nxt that can come in and get over because they've had finn dollars had big match experience tokyo dome experience in new japan uh you know samoa joe international star uh joe's a a great, great strategy. Joe's a great coach. So uh, Joe knows how to get himself over, which is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those guys are, are led by extensions to be stars. If the commitment is there from the company to give them the right persona, involve them in the right storyline, and, and introduce them in a significant way, uh, and it, you only get that one time to make the, the, the valued first impression. So I, I think that uh, the, really the focus on that question is more on WWE creative than it is on the two talents. I believe that the two talents, if they buy into the creative concept and they have a chance to uh, participate in the creation of it to some degree, have some input, then uh, there's no doubt in my mind that those two, are, those two guys there are, are can't-miss guys. They're going to get over and draw money. Yeah, it's a joint effort. Like you said, a guy like a Balor or a Joe has all the tools to be a main roster, a huge you know, main event player on the main roster at some point. But if the creative is not there, then it's not going to work. I mean, we've seen that before with guys like Neville. And I mean, all hope isn't lost for them yet. But I mean, just from the get-go, from their main roster call-ups. But yeah, those are a few people I definitely agree. Um, you know, definitely have the future ahead of them in, in terms of WWE pushing them prominently. And uh, final few questions here. Um, of course, in recent years with Vine and YouTube and stuff, you know, Videos have been going viral of people, you know, like some kid beating up, you know, a bunch of girls in his swimming pool, and they use your commentary from famous matches like, you know, Mick Foley versus The Undertaker, uh, famous Stone Cold Steve Austin calls and stuff like that. So, of course, to even non-wrestling fans, you are the voice of wrestling. So, when you see stuff like that, when you get tagged in videos on Twitter, to viral videos on Vine and YouTube and whatever else, are you flattered by being often associated as the voice in wrestling and what people often imitate as, you know, like I said, the person of what commentary is in WWE or just wrestling on the whole? Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, it's always humbling, you know, to, to people to remember your work. You know, the the often repeated 
Pecker uh, scenario was 1998. Mm-hmm. So you're talking, you know, buku years ago. Uh, so that's 18 years ago, right? So, yes, correct. Yeah. Uh, and some people were were just crawling around their, you know, their their baby pen. Uh, I get that. I get that stuff. I have people come to me that can recite the whole thing. And they do, in my voice. So they say, try. Sometimes <laughs> it gets a little embarrassing, especially in a group of other people like us, <laughs> waiting on uh, to board a plane. Mm-hmm. Had that happen the other day. <laughs> uh, it, was funny. it was funny. So the, the dad embarrassed the kid by becoming a kid again. So they saw me in line to board, boarding a plane, and, you know, I was the voice of his childhood. So I that doesn't bother me. You know, hey, I'm, I, I don't have an issue. With, age is a number, and I feel great right now, and I'm... Uh, so I don't, I don't get offended by being the voice of anybody's childhood. As a matter of fact, it's, it's really an honor. Uh, I used to kid on like Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon used to say, when they, somebody would come up to them and say, you guys are my favorite broadcasters, and they'd almost in unison say, you should set, set your goals higher. So uh, they're just, that's kind of how I, I just I have fun with it. I'm honored that it happens. Uh, and it's leading to interesting opportunities because I got calls actually later today with a couple of major sports uh, organizations looking to me to do some voiceovers hmm. and uh, so we'll see how that goes and that's all as spawned on these those uh, those videos that were, were out there mm-hmm. so maybe a- after all these years I'll find a way to monetize my voice and uh, in those calls because right now it's just for fun and, and it's good fun so I, I'm, I'm flattered by it you know the Social media has changed the game, man. Social media has changed everything that we do, mm-hmm. how we look at things, uh, how cynical we are sometimes, all of us. When our teams don't do well or our favorite, whatever doesn't do well, we have a way to express it. So I'm, uh, but I'm always flattered with it. And it's always really kind of interesting to see the creative ways that uh, they are, uh, that they're using it. Because the more they dig on the, for audio, they're going to find even more of that stuff that's available. That, that hasn't been overdone yet, that hasn't been aired, that they can utilize real creatively. So I think we're just starting to tip the iceberg on that stuff. But it's fun. It's fun. I, it's, it's, it's enjoyable. I enjoy sending them to my buddies and things, and they get a kick out of it. So, uh, you know, we're all having fun with it. And as you mentioned, a lot of potential projects coming up, and you've been doing boxing. you got, of course, like we're talking about right now, New Japan Pro Wrestling on Access TV, Friday nights at 9. You're doing your one-man shows, also coming up on WrestleMania weekend. But in, in addition to all of that, you got your podcast going on right now, The Ross Report, and you've recorded over 100 episodes over the last two years. Um, what have been, who, or rather, who have been some of your favorite guests on the show, on your podcast over the last couple of years? Uh, I have really had a... Uh been lucky. Uh, I, I book all my own guests. I write my own opens and closes and, and uh, my, uh, you know, my editorial remarks. So I'm really hands-on on the show. So every show I have a really vested interest in, and I haven't had any shows I, that I said, oh man, I wish I, I'd like to erase that one. They've all had their own, they've all had their moments, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell you that Jim Cornette is a, a, a very compelling guest. Because he's extremely outspoken, uh, very intelligent, but he has he's set in his ways in a lot of a lot of areas, and he's not willing to, to budge. Uh, but he's a guy that every time I have him on, will do well north of a million downloads that week. Wow. So uh, Steve Austin is a great guest because he's he's another guy that's totally honest. Uh, so that's always good. I enjoyed having Ronda Rousey on. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a she was fun because she is a big wrestling fan, and uh, she that was a really entertaining uh, show. I've had uh, Sean Grandy, the voice of the Celtics, uh, and the uh, Bellator, the friend of mine, is another good, uh, a great guest. Uh, Mark Madden is a great guest at Pittsburgh because he's outspoken. Again, you want people on there that are honest. Uh, I got I got an interview coming up with Mark Merrow, which is absolutely captivating because mm-hmm. he's extremely honest and he's got such an amazing story to tell. Uh, that's going to be coming up right before the week of WrestleMania week. Really good interview. Uh, you know, talks about finding out that his wife was, was seeing another guy on the road and how he was going to take care of that guy until he found out who the guy was. So that was a funny story. And he's got this very open and honest about his life. Mm-hmm. And I respect him like that. Uh, I got Gary Capetta on, who kind of was, uh, had been on the scene, he, but he worked for WWE, he worked for WCW, worked for NWA, he worked for AWA as a ring announcer for years. And he has so many great stories. He's an educator, very intelligent guy. So I've had some really unique guys on, guests on, and, and they've kind of come from off the radar. I just interviewed Mickey James this week for our, for our podcast that'll drop next week. And, uh, she was absolutely uh, an open book. Mm-hmm. Talking about her relationship with John Cena and her leaving WWE and her getting reprimanded by Vince McMahon after winning at WrestleMania. I mean, it's really, she was just right out there and giving me information I had forgotten because I was there when she was having some of the issues. Mm-hmm. But uh, in any event, I enjoyed doing the podcast. I speak converse with my buddies and reconnect with people and ask questions I believe the fans that want. And I also go on Twitter. And I try to get the audience involved and let them submit questions as well. So it's a fun process. Doing one show a week is great. And we're doing about 750,000 downloads on average every week. And some weeks it goes much higher than that. I had Sting on, and we did over 2 million downloads. Wow. And he was a great guest. Because we talked about the old days, working for Cowboy, and working mm-hmm. for Crockett, WCW days. Before he signed with WWE, even though he was negotiating with them at that time, I knew it, but we weren't talking about it. So, but it was a good talking to him, and he, he delivered the audience. And I shared that information with WWE. Hey, I just had Sting on my podcast, and he, and he nailed it two weeks in a row over two million downloads a week. So, uh, I think he's got an audience out there that would like to see him. That's what my market research told me. So, mm-hmm. I have fun to the podcast. It's part of the highlight of my week. It's always a great listen. The fans can check it out every Wednesday podcast when our Tuesday nights rather dropping at 9 o'clock Eastern time. Like I said, the one-man show is coming up over WrestleMania weekend. New Japan Pro Wrestling on Access TV, 9 o'clock on Friday nights. Uh, Jim, thanks so much for your time. Anything else you want to you know, plug for the people? Uh, website, Twitter, no, anything else? Good. I appreciate having me on. My show's in uh, Dallas. Uh, all three shows look like they're going to sell out, which is cool, uh, at the House of Blues. Uh, two shows on Saturday, April 2nd, one show after Raw on Monday, and Ticketmaster has has tickets if you're interested in attending. I'd love to see you there. Uh, so just that information. And, of course, I think our, we're just kind of getting our journey underway with Access TV. A lot of exciting things are coming down the road. So people should stay tuned for that. The relationship between Access and New Japan is growing. Uh, I think Josh and I have a chance to really be a, a, a very uh, entertaining team to listen to. He's a, he's my he's a perfect partner for me to have on this project, and I think we're going to just get better and better as as time goes on. So that's the goal anyway. If we don't achieve our goals, it's not going to be because of a lack of effort. We're really having fun, and everything I'm doing is uh, you know uh, whether I did a crazy pay per view on Sunday uh, March 20th 
uh, in Phoenix. The, with Ken Shamrock and our students, I should Ken Shamrock fell out. Uh, Dan Severin and, and Hank Abbott and Ray Mysterio versus Kurt Angle mm-hmm. and Chael Sonnen versus Michael Bisping in a grappling match. Roy Jones Jr. in an eight-round fight. So I'm staying busy, but my week really on TV centers around Friday nights and access. We're gonna we're gonna, we plan on really uh, making some. Uh, making a dent in the in the marketplace of that show so hopefully folks t- try us out tune in and, and enjoy it so you're going to get us you're going to see we're going to talk about what you're seeing we're going to call the matches and add the drama and tell the backstories let you know who these guys are and a little bit about them but we're basically going to call the game and the game is the thing they make the music and we, we provide the lyrics and so hopefully it'll be a nice little symphony when it's all said and done so friday night's on uh Good old Mark Cuban's TV. And by the way, another reason I like Mark Cuban, he has a lot of money. <laughs> How can you not like someone with money? I, I, I work for Billionaire Ted, <laughs> Billionaire Vince, and now Billionaire Mark Cuban. Not a bad deal. Exactly. That's living life right there. Well, Jim, fantastic. Thanks so much for your time. I'm looking forward to all these projects, and uh, we'll catch you down the road. Thanks a lot again. Good everybody. Anytime. Thanks. Was that awesome or what? Again, thanks to Jim Ross for his time, an amazing opportunity, an amazing honor of talking to him here today for over 30 minutes about, like I said earlier, a slew of topics, really fun time. And once again, thanks to you guys for all your support in making things like this possible just by listening to the show, just by sharing the link and letting other people know about WrestleRant Radio. So without further ado, let's get to the second half of the show here. My two cents on Raw and WWE Roadblock from this past Saturday night. I will say this much, um, you know, to kick us off here. Jacqueline going into the WWE Hall of Fame this year. No complaint. She is a Dallas, Texas native, so it makes sense. I mean, there's some other woman I would, there's some other women I would put in before her, like Sable, Miss Elizabeth. Um, there's not. I mean, we talked about it at length last week here on the show, so I won't go on a huge rant about it. Um, but I mean, I would put those women in before her, but there's just not a lot of women. I mean, they don't induct more than one woman each year, which is fine. Um, but I mean, we already have in most of the basics, we have a Lunder blaze, we have Lita, we have Tristratus. So now we're just kind of getting down to, I mean, like not the bottom of the barrel. I mean, there's a lot of people that are far worse than Jacqueline and she is worthy a former women's champion, cruiserweight champion, an illustrious career in WWE and in TNA, which they're not going to mention, obviously, but still mostly in WWE in a pioneer for the women's division in the early 2000s. So no complaints there. But uh, WWE Roadblock on Saturday night, I thought it was a very, very good show. And a lot of people asked me in hashtag AskGSM on Monday, um, you know, was it meaningless? Did it serve any purpose? Why didn't it shake up the WrestleMania card? Wasn't that the main focus of the show? It wasn't. It's a house show that's televised. So I'm not saying enjoy it, but enjoy it, essentially. I mean, it was a really, really good show for what it was. And that's, you know, the key word there. That's the key phrase for what it was. And what it was was a televised house show. Nothing huge was ever supposed to happen. I mean, I know there were people holding out hope, and even I, not holding out hope, but even I jumped out of my seat when I almost thought Dean Ambrose nearly captured the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. I mean, there were some small smidges of hope there, you know, here and there with some great near falls in many of the matches, not just the main event or, you know, the the Davis Championship match or the Tag Team Title match. The whole show was really, really enjoyable from start to finish. Nothing too noteworthy, um, but still a very enjoyable two, two two-and-a-half-hour show. 
So kicking it off for the WWE Tag Team titles was the New Day defending against League of Nations members Wade Barrett and Sheamus. Um, but before the bout even started, we had the New Day debuting an all-new serial, Bootios, which I think you can actually buy off of WWE Shop, along with a shirt. And I don't know if the serial is real or if it's just a box. I'm not exactly sure, but what I do know for sure is that I want one. If you... <laughs> What was the phrase they used? They mix it up every single time. Every single time I try to think of it. But uh, it's something along the lines of, uh, they make sure that you ain't booty. And it's uh, they're just great. The New Day is just freaking great. And um, I thought this was a hilarious promo. And I only caught part of it because I watched like 10 minutes in. I didn't watch it. I mean, I watched it live, but I missed like the first five to 10 minutes. So I went back and watched it on the WWE's YouTube channel. I mean, you can watch it in the fall on the network, but I wanted to catch like a clip of it and the unveiling of the Bootio cereal, which is amazing. And if anyone can send me a box, I would be very much appreciative of that. But uh, a good match, a very entertaining match. I mean, typically with heel versus heel matches, it's hard to choose someone to cheer for. There's not really an incentive to cheer for one person over the other. Um, but this was the exception because one thing they were in Toronto, you know, not a very smarky city, but a very um, enthusiastic city, I guess, as you can call them. But I mean, smarky too. I mean, not ever. I mean, most towns are quote unquote smarky nowadays. That we have smart fans, whatever. Um, but it was a great crowd all night long. They were very electric for this matchup and very behind, very much behind the New Day, as well as they were on Monday Night Raw, which I'll get to momentarily. Um, but yeah, fun match. New Day retains. Still the WWE Tag Team Champions. After that, we had Chris Jericho versus Jack Swagger. Before the bout, Jericho running down the Toronto audience and going from a crowd that that went from cheering the hell out of Chris Jericho, a Canadian native, to just booing the hell out of Chris Jericho once he started running down the city and every one of its inhabitants. I thought it was a great promo and just classic heel Jericho. Um, just very, very good stuff from Y2J. I love heel Chris Jericho. I mean, I talked about it last week here in WrestleRant Radio with RJ, but love the heel turn. The whole feud of the AJ has been great. They've really structured it well, and I thought the turn from Jericho is much needed. New article, by the way, cheap plug on HiddenRemote.com from years truly talking about how the heel turn in just his latest WWE run in the hole has really rejuvenated the career of Chris Jericho in WWE. Um, I think, you know, he has been doing the best work of his WWE career in quite some time, at least five years or so since his stuff with Punk back in 2012. Um, but a good match. Obviously, the crowd didn't really care too much about Jack Swagger, which was to be expected. Jericho tried his hardest, though, to get him cheered by the audience, even in Canada. You know, the 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 pro-USA, the real American, whatever, still got some cheers from the crowd, which was surprising, but it's a real testament to Jericho's ability to get over as a heel and get over other people as a babyface, whoever he's working with. But yeah, pretty paint-by-my-numbers match. Jericho wins with the uh, Walls of Jericho, I believe. Up next for the NXT Tag Team titles, The Revival taking on Enzo Amore and Colin Cassidy. Very, very good match. I love the match in London, and I love this match, if not as much, almost as, you know, if not more than just as much. I thought this was a great outing from two teams that, um, you know, initially a couple months ago, I didn't really think had much chemistry. I, you know, the revival was, you know, just kind of there for me a lot. Like Blake and Murphy were just kind of there. The villains were just kind of there. The revival rather have really stood out as a great freaking tag team over the last couple of weeks. You know, the old school attitude that they have and just their mannerisms in the ring and the way they, uh, you know, their attire and how they kind of match up and stuff like that, I think is 
great. I think they're an amazing tag team and have really kind of come into their own over the last couple of months during their reign as tag team champions. Enzo Amore and Colin Cassidy, you know, they just speak for themselves, literally and figuratively, but I think they're also very, 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 very entertained, very entertaining, rather. Um, I mean, I know we've talked about it here before in the show. I know RJ was not in full favor of them coming to the main roster, not thinking they would succeed. I disagree. I do think they will, you know, be destined for big things. As long as creative utilizes them properly and doesn't turn them into a joke act, I think they can be a great asset to the main roster tag team division. But, you know, and this match was just pure proof of that. I thought, you know, even though they are kind of the modern day version of the New Age Outlaws in WWE in that they have a great shtick, great mic skills, they're not the most, you know, they're not the the greatest, you know, in-ring wrestlers in the world, but when they're in there with the right opponents, they can have a very, very good match. And this was um, just that, a great match and very enjoyable at that. The Revival still the NXT Tag Team Champions. For the Divas Championship, we had Charlotte taking on Italia, a match that was confirmed with the car like a day in advance. So, I mean, I would have preferred the match got more build, a lot like the other matches had build. Like the NXT Tag Team title match had a pre-match video package, as did Lesnar and Harper. Triple H and Ambrose had history, obviously. So I would have preferred if this match got, you know, some build, some storyline, you know, some storyline love, um, significance, and not just thrown out there. But I can't complain. The match was really, really good. Again, a lot like the previous match. If not as good, but just close enough to being as good as their match from TakeOver two years ago for the vacant NXT Women's Championship, um, Charlotte and Natalya. That was an amazing match. That was really the true dawning of the Divas Revolution in WWE, the Women's Revolution, whatever the hell you want to call it. That was an amazing match. I was glad they got some time to show their stuff on this show. Because, I mean, they faced off on Raw and SmackDown a couple times in the past, but they're not given more than, like, two or three minutes. I mean, why would you even bother? Why waste that potential future money match on a Raw or SmackDown if you're going to, you know, get it over with in a couple of minutes. I always thought that was just stupid. So I was glad they did it right, you know, in the city. And there were, like I said, there were parts of me, there were points of the match where I felt like, oh my God, is Natalia going to win? I know the match is already confirmed for WrestleMania with Charlotte versus Sasha versus Becky, but they were in Canada. She dedicated the match to Bret Hart and they had that kind of cool story going into it, which like I said, it was not a lot of storyline significance. They kind of built up the bout that same night earlier on in the day via a video package, but they made me care. It was a great match. Um, no problem with the result. Charlotte retained a win. I mean, Natalia had the like the sharpshooter locked in, and then Charlotte grabbed the ropes, and she pulled her away from the ropes, but she broke the hold anyway. So that was kind of weird, but still, I can't complain. Overall, an excellent match from the women. Um, after that, we had Brock Lesnar versus Luke Harper and Bray Wyatt. In what was billed as a one-on-one match between Wyatt and Lesnar, although it did not come to fruition, due to Wyatt backing out, it became a two-on-one handicap match instead, and Wyatt never tagged in, he stood at ringside the entire time. So technically it was a handicap match, and technically Lesnar beat Wyatt, but they never made physical contact, and Lesnar took Harper to Suplex City all by himself. So, an entertaining affair, I know some people were very disappointed that we didn't get Wyatt and Lesnar, I was kind of disappointed myself, but... I figure, and as it's been rumored, I feel like we will get that match at some point down the line, which is completely fine. I wasn't too excited for the idea of the match happening at WrestleMania just because the Wyatt family means fucking nothing right now. So I'm glad we're getting the match at at some point, hopefully down the line. Lesnar's around for another year or two, so we got some time to see the match, and hopefully by the time they eventually do face off, the Wyatt family means more, because right now they don't mean jack squat. Um, yeah, that was entertaining after that Sami Zayn versus Stardust. A well-wrestled match for the time it was given. I mean, who cares about Stardust? The guy is a great wrestler. Don't get me wrong. I love Cody Rhodes. But the Stardust gimmick at this point just means 
absolutely nothing and no one gives a shit um and the crowd kind of sat in their hands for the most part like i said a good match it was a well wrestled well wrestled match but it didn't really mean anything it was a good win for Sami Zayn, if nothing else but no one cares about stardust until they give him something noteworthy to do until they give us a reason to give a shit about this guy they're not going to give a shit about his matches i mean it's better to give him some wins over a guy like stardust and have him lose to you know bigger names right now Sami Zayn, that is so I was happy with that. Like I said earlier, I can't complain. Everything on the show has really kind of ranged from good to great. This was more in the good territory. But it just kind of goes to show that they're they're not doing enough with Stardust right now. I know that's kind of evident, but um, I know they had the whole thing with Stephen Amell being teased for a while, and that really kind of went nowhere. But anyway, Sami Zayn won. Decent match. Main event time for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Triple H versus Dean Ambrose. And a very good match. The first half I thought was kind of boring, but down the stretch, they really picked up the pace. A lot of great near falls from Dean Ambrose. That one where he hit the Dirty Deeds and pinned Triple H, but his feet were underneath the ropes. That was a great spot. Kind of predictable, but, you know, I still jumped out of my seat and almost marked out anyway. Um, but that was a great spot. Triple H, in the end, um, they, they brawled on, on, on the outside of the ring. Dean Ambrose tosses Triple H back in the ring. He comes back in the ring and Bam! Pedigree out of nowhere. One, two, three. Still the WWE World Heavyweight Champion, Triple H. So, um, good match. Good main event. And I was glad they kind of took this brief detour to Roadblock to kind of do that match before we get Triple H and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. So, uh, yeah, like I said earlier on, um, very, very good show. Overall, great show from start to finish. A lot of good matches. I thought the WWE and NXT Tag Team title matches were a lot of fun. Jericho's promo was awesome. The women's match was excellent. The main event was great. Lesnar and Harper, and technically Wyatt was fun while it lasted. And even Sami Zayn and Stardust was decent for the amount of time it was allotted. So I would check it out. Like I said, don't expect going into it any huge major storyline developments because that was not the purpose of the show. It was the house show just televised. And I thought it was, you know, it executed that excellently. I thought it was a great show on the whole. So Monday Night Raw last night I thought carried the momentum from Roadblock into Monday Night very nicely. I thought it was a very, very good show. And a lot of matches made either official or, you know, strongly teased for WrestleMania. New Day, once again defending the WWE Tag Team title successfully against League of Nation members Alberto Del Rio and Rusev. And again, a good match. I don't know if New Day is, you know, 100% babyface by this point or like full-fledged faces. I, it's kind of hard to tell, to be honest with you. I'd have no problem with it. Like I said in my Roadblock review, I figured that um, they're going to go babyface at some point anyway. They're so freaking popular. In addition to the fact that they're selling merchandise, people love them anyway, so why not go, you know, turn them babyface? I have nothing against that whatsoever. And the crowd loved them in, um, in Pittsburgh last night, so I have nothing against that idea whatsoever. So anyway, good match. And also, I forgot to mention this in my written review of the show, available on nextairwrestling.net from Monday night. Um, I like the fact that the show kicked off with a match rather than a long-winded, you know, draining talking segment. They saved that for the main event, you know, slot with Shane McMahon and Taker, which was fine. But um, I'm glad they kicked off the show for once with a match, which is something we rarely see in WWE. So a nice, you know, refreshing change of pace for Monday Night Raw. But anyway, good match. It looks like we're getting New Day in League of Nations of Mania, which I'm not really pumped for. And I don't see why we would get that match, considering New Day just beat League of Nations back-to-back in title matches, so I don't really see what the point would be, but, um, I mean, I guess we're, we're already getting Usos and Dudley Boys at WrestleMania, which I think is a good match, but, um, you know, where does that put the Tag Team Champions against League of Nations again? I'm not really too excited for that, but it gets New Day at WrestleMania, so I can't complain. Uh, once again, or up next, rather, we had Brock Lesnar confronting Dean Ambrose, who, you know, talked about his match with Triple H. He called out Lesnar, out comes Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar, Good back and forth between Heyman and Ambrose on the microphone. 
Lesnar was about to rush the ring when Ambrose pulled out a crowbar. And he was about to hit Lesnar with it before he retreated from the ring, and that was it. So a good segment, and I'm looking forward to that match, like I said, when it was first announced a couple of weeks ago. The night after Fastlane, I think that match is going to be fucking killer at a WrestleMania in the no Bard street fight. So I'm looking forward to that. That should be a really, really good match. And um, later on, I forgot to mention this in my written review, but uh, Mick Foley showed up in a backstage segment. It had been rumored all day long on uh, on the dirt sheets, as you would call them, that Mick Foley was confirmed for Raw and some sort of appearance. He didn't appear before the live crowd, but he did confront Dean Ambrose backstage, which was interesting because those two do have history from about four years ago, I think it was, on the road to WrestleMania in 2012. They had a huge Twitter war going on, and I think the plan among them, I don't know if it was a WWE thing or if it was something they started on their own. I have no idea. But I think the plan was for it to culminate in a match at some point. Maybe not a WrestleMania, but at some point, and it just didn't come to fruition for for a few reasons. One, Foley said that Ambrose went too far in targeting his family, and um, I don't know how true that is. But two, for definite, he had health issues, and the doctor said he could never wrestle again. So that sucks. Um, and I was looking forward to that match, and that was before I really knew who Ambrose was, but I thought it was, um, you know, they kind of teased it very well, and they had a great thing going on social media for a long time, and that's the only reason why Dean Ambrose has a Twitter. You know how, like, they always promote it on Raw, like, when he comes out, it says, at the Dean Ambrose on Twitter? He doesn't even use Twitter. He used it for that one program with Mick Foley, and I think he deleted all the tweets anyway, so he doesn't even use it. Uh, but anyway, that's I forgot to mention that. And also, Mick Foley gave him a barbed wire baseball bat, so that was a cool treat, and uh, I hope we see that in some form or fashion in WrestleMania. A ridiculous weapon, but a lot less ridiculous than fucking Janice of Abysses at, and, you know, in TNA. That, that's a stupid weapon. At least the barbed wire baseball bat looks cool, and it wouldn't kill you if you, if you used it on somebody. Um, it would severely injure you, but it wouldn't kill you, I don't think. Uh, Ryback versus Sin Cara up next. Kind of a sloppy match. Crowd didn't care. Good win for Ryback. It looks like we are getting Ryback and Kalisto at WrestleMania 32. Nothing against that. I think it's a good undercard match. Gets Galisto on the card in the one-on-one match. And not in the freaking Under the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. And also a good match for uh, Ryback at WrestleMania 2. Um, after that, we had the Authority come out. Triple H and Stephanie talking about how everyone in the crowd were losers for going home as failures and their families and their wives and kids. And they were just nothing more than failures. Out comes Dolph Ziggler, of all people who cuts the greatest promo that I have ever heard from him in quite some time. And I mean, he's cut some gems on the WWE YouTube channel, but I'm talking about on Raw, on SmackDown, on TV, you know, where people watch him the most, not on YouTube. And uh, this was a really, really good promo by Ziggler. Because if nothing else, he showed awesome passion. And that's what he's all about. He has that within him. He just doesn't exude that during his matches or his promos. I don't know if it's him or if it's creative not giving him the chance, or a combination of both. But we've seen the same watered-down Dolph Ziggler ever since he lost the World Championship three years ago. And I was on board with turning Dolph Ziggler face, because people love him anyway, and I get that. But he works better as a heel on the mic. He was cutting some great freaking promos as a heel before he turned babyface. Back, like, even against Mick Foley, there was one promo from, like, four or five years ago. He, um confronted Mick Foley on Raw, and he was telling him to go home, change his shirt, eat a salad, and just go away. It was an amazing promo. So anyone who says Ziggler sucks in the mic has to watch this promo or that one. Um, but yeah, anyway, a good interaction between Dolph Ziggler and Triple H, leading to a match for the game later on in the night, a non-title match. But the stipulation was that if Ziggler won, he would get a WrestleMania match, any match of his kind, as long as it wasn't and, you know, any match of his choosing, as long as it wasn't for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania. So a big step, Triple H's first Raw match in over three years. So I'll talk about that in uh, you know momentarily. 
And after that, Sami Zayn versus The Miz. Good match. Kevin Owens on commentary. Always entertaining. And it looks like we're getting some sort of multi-man match at WrestleMania for the championship, which kind of sucks. And uh, maybe not, though. I mean, Neville got hurt later on in the night in that match with Jericho, and I'll talk about that in a minute, too. Um, and I think the initial plan was to do Neville, Zayn, Owens, and Miz, and maybe Ziggler. I don't know how you get to that point now, considering he lost to Triple H. But anyway, um, I thought this was a good match. And if anything, I think it's a blessing in disguise. I mean, it sucks for Neville, don't get me wrong, but I think the match all along should be Zayn versus Owens one-on-one. Not a fucking multi-man match. Or I mean, it would be cool. Don't get me wrong. It, could, it would be awesome to see Zayn, Neville, and Owens and all you know sharing the same ring. But I feel like the story is there for a one-on-one match at, you know, WrestleMania between Zayn and uh, Kevin Owens. Don't go all WrestleMania 2000 on this shit by having 10,000 tag team matches that mean nothing instead of doing the money matches one-on-one that would mean something, where the story is right. I mean, again, I wouldn't complain if it's a multi-man match anyway, even with Neville out hurt, but um, I feel like that's the direction they should be going in Zayn and Owens at WrestleMania. But anyway, good match from Zayn and Miz. After that, Naomi and Tamina beating Brie Bell and Alicia Fox after interference from uh, Lana at ringside. It looks like we're getting some sort of 8-Diva, 6-Diva tag team match at Mania, which is whatever. I mean, it's cool for them to get a match in the card, and it's great that it's not the only women's match at Mania this year, because, I mean, I mean I, I've talked about this before. I'm so tired of the rundown multi-women matches at WrestleMania that mean fucking nothing. They're good. They're, they're fine sometimes, you know, sometimes better than other times. But I'm glad, you know, I'm so sick of that being the only match in the WrestleMania card. So I'm glad that we're getting two women's matches at WrestleMania this year. Probably for the first time, maybe not for the first time ever, but for the first time in a long time. Like legit matches, not fucking bras and panties matches or whatever else they used to do with the women back in the day. I'm talking about real women's matches. And this would be, you know, no matter how, you know, how little people care about this feud between Brie Bell and Lana, I sure don't care about it, but... It's something, you know, and it's also a match. It's not bras and panties or a battle royal. It's a six diva, eight diva tag team match. And I assume it's going to be Lana and Team Bad members, Naomi and Tamina, maybe Summer Rae versus uh, Paige, Natalia, and Brie Bella, and maybe, who is the other person? Oh, and Alicia Fox, obviously. So, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Just keep it on the pre-show, and it's not hurting anybody. So after that, we had the Usos versus the Social Outcast. The match was over in like a minute, which was good. I mean, I like the Social Outcasts, but um, their matches don't really do much for me, so I'm glad the Usos won in decisive fashion. So that was fine. Um, the Dudley Boys on commentary, and it looks like we are, not looks like, but we are getting the match. It has been confirmed for WrestleMania, the Usos versus the Dudley Boys, which I'm in full favor of. And I'll probably be talking about that in an article for Hidden Remote, hopefully tomorrow or later on this week, why I think it's a good match for WrestleMania. The first time ever. I mean, it feels like a match that we've seen all a million times, but we actually have never had that seen, seen that match before between Dudley Boys and Usos. First time ever, two-on-two at WrestleMania. And it's a match I've been dying to see for a long, long time. Maybe I'm in the minority, but the Dudley Boys and Usos, two of the greatest tag teams of their respective time periods, sign me up. I mean, there's no tag team titles on the line, which is kind of a shame. And they're saving that for New Day versus League of Nations. But, um... I think it's a great tag team match to do at WrestleMania, and it makes sense. The feud's been good, and um, I'm looking forward to that match at WrestleMania. So after that, Triple H versus Dolph Ziggler. I mean, the, again, another were another a lot like with the Ambrose match, where the first half was kind of like there, and then they really picked up the pace down the stretch, and I thought the final few minutes were really, really good. Ziggler had a couple great near falls, and kind of reminiscent of the Rumble, when he hit that great super kick on Triple H. It was better at the Rumble, but um, remember at the Rumble when Triple H was on the apron? 
And Ziggler hit him with that great super kick, and Triple H almost fell off the apron, but he caught himself. Great spot. He did the same thing here, where, I don't know, Triple H was going for something, or he picked Ziggler up. Ziggler hits a super kick, Triple H slowly falls backward, and Ziggler falls on top of him, pins Triple H, and he kicks out at like two and a half. So that was a great spot. Um, But in the end, it was Triple H winning clean, beating Dolph Ziggler. For no reason. And then no more than 10 seconds later does Roman Reigns come out. So why wouldn't Roman Reigns try to cost Triple H the match and help out Dolph Ziggler? Does he not like Dolph Ziggler? I mean, a lot of people don't like Dolph Ziggler, but I guess Roman Reigns is not a Dolph Ziggler fan if he doesn't care to help him out. So that was interesting, I guess. But um, yeah, the brawl I thought was fine. I thought the brawl between the two, between Roman Reigns and Triple H a couple of weeks ago was was better, Um, but I thought this was all right too. I think Triple H got legitimately busted up, not like he's going to miss any in-ring time, but... um. I think they, they posted a video on their YouTube channel of Triple H getting stitches after being smacked with a fucking TV monitor by Roman Reigns backstage. And J&J Security were also, you know, um, you know, seen backstage too. Which, you would th- I know they, they probably wrote them off of TV when they did last summer and that thing with uh, Brock Lesnar. They haven't been seen since. But um, just keep them off TV altogether. I mean, I guess enough time has passed where it's not like they're not selling the injuries, but... It, it, it makes it's it's weird because before they became on-air characters, they were doing what they're doing now. So why wouldn't they be on more TV more than they were? Is it because Rollins isn't on TV? I mean, it's kind of confusing. But uh, anyway, so I thought the brawl was good, and um, I still look forward to that match at WrestleMania. I don't think it's gonna steal the show, and I know I'm in the minority when I say I'm looking forward to Triple H and Reigns at Mania. But um, I think it could be good. I'm holding out hope. So Neville and Chris Jericho. Jericho cutting another gem of a promo, running down AJ Styles in the crowd. I thought it was awesome. Another great Jericho heel promo. Um, the match was good. They come back from break and Neville got hurt. So the match ended abruptly. I thought that was weird. I was a bit disappointed. But then I was thinking, you know, someone pointed out to me on Twitter, or a number of you guys, you know, pointed out to me on Twitter that he got hurt. Neville did. Um, he injured his ankle and, you know, sliding under Jericho's legs or something like that. It was a weird spot. There's some video online. It's kind of hard to watch, but, um, that's how Neville got hurt and he had to get taken out and Styles came out and he took out Jericho, um, with the flying, what, what they're calling now the phenomenal forearm. And, um, that was it. It was a bit tame. I thought he would do more to Jericho. I mean, Jericho knocked him out three times with three code breakers last Monday and a forearm was all that AJ had to do. That was interesting, but um, the match was going well before the abrupt injury. It sucks for Neville, like I said, because it looks like he's going to miss WrestleMania, which is only less than three weeks away. So again, really, really sucks for Neville, Um, and I thought this match, hopefully they revisit this match down the line. I mean, they first did it at Beast in the East, which the commentators did, did acknowledge before the match, which was really, really cool for them to do, and I didn't expect them to, so that was great. Um, but hopefully they revisit this match down the line, maybe even as a feud down the road when Jericho with, you know, Jericho is the heel because I feel like it could be a really, really good match. And uh, finally here we get to the main event segment, Shane McMahon confronting The Undertaker. Very hit or miss for a lot of people. I enjoyed it. I mean, it was short-lived. Um, I didn't think he got the time it should have. Shane looked a bit silly and doing the whole dance while Taker was in the ring. That was a bit weird and kind of coming off as a heel there. But, um... I thought the whole segment was pretty good. I mean, I'm looking forward to the match in Mania. It feels like it's missing something. I don't know what that something is, but it feels like this match is missing something. Maybe another stipulation. Maybe a surrogate for Shane McMahon. Maybe it's you know a stipulation that says whatever happens if Taker wins at WrestleMania. Not that Shane doesn't you know get control of Raw, but does he get fired? Does he get jail time? Does Taker have to? Does he you know does he get a title shot? Like what does Taker get out of this? He doesn't. He just wants to win. You know, but he laid out Shane last night with a choke slam. So a good segment. Some people didn't like it. I thought it was fine, and I'm looking forward to the match of Mania. They could still do more to hype this match up, but um, so far, so good 
for that feud between Shane and Vince and Taker going into WrestleMania. So overall, very, very good Raw. Great Pittsburgh crowd all night long. The three hours dragged, as they always tend to do, but... You know, moreover than anything else, I thought the build for WrestleMania was great. It was a very important night for WWE. And confirming fa- confirming matches for the card, and also kind of getting off the follow-up and uh, fallout from Roadblock, and, you know, all that other stuff. Confirming matches for the card, and also furthering the feuds they already had going, going into WrestleMania. And I thought they did that very effectively last night. So, two thumbs up for me. Really enjoyable show, and I'm looking forward to what the next couple of weeks of WWE TV hold before WrestleMania 32 on April 3rd. So next Tuesday, it looks like, like I said, I'll be having another interview, which I'm very much looking forward to. I'll be talking to this individual on Thursday, and I'll probably announce who it is either late Thursday or Friday or whatever, and the interview will be up on Tuesday in audio form before going to Bleach Report in article form on Friday, next Friday. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be, uh, I, I, I'm going to re- try to record the show in the afternoon and I probably will because I'm going to have the interview in the can anyway. I'll be only talking about raw like I am now for like the second half of the show and leave the interview for the first part. Um, I don't know if it's going to be as long as the JR interview, which went almost half an hour here today. So it might be, you know, 15, 20 minutes. It depends how busy the person is. We'll see. Um, but that interview will be up on Tuesday. Like I said, I'll hopefully be able to get a full episode in because that night, late Tuesday night, we're going to SmackDown in Boston. The Beast in Boston. Brock Lesnar is advertised for the show. I'm excited for that with RJ. We are en route to Boston in just one week. Very much looking forward to it. And we're also going to be at NXT Lowell in a couple weeks. We talked about that, you know, potentially last Tuesday, but it's been confirmed. He got the tickets. We're going to that in April. We're going to Payback in May, which we also have tickets for, and maybe SummerSlam. Hopefully SummerSlam. That's what we're planning on. I mean, tickets don't go on sale for another couple more weeks, but we are really hoping to get tickets to SummerSlam in August, on August 21st, as well as TakeOver and maybe Raw, we'll see. But very exciting time to be a wrestling fan right now. Again, once, you know, a huge thanks to Jim Ross for coming on the show for an excellent interview. And thanks to you guys for sharing the show, letting people know about WrestleRant Radio, and so on and so forth. Your support is amazingly appreciated. You guys are the greatest. Never let anyone else tell you otherwise. You guys are just fucking fantastic. So I look forward to a very, very exciting next couple of weeks here on WrestleRant Radio. Another exclusive interview next week, right here on Tuesday on WrestleRant Radio. So stay tuned for that only on Next Day Wrestling. So as always, guys, you can follow me on the Twitter at WrestleRant. Find me on Facebook at the Facebook page at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. On YouTube at YouTube.com backslash C backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. And this very website, NextAirWrestling.net. Content going up every single day, multiple times a day. My WrestleMania recall series is in full force for the last couple of weeks. My Counting down my top 31 favorite matches in WrestleMania history. That's been going on all month and it will continue to go on until March 31st in just a little over two weeks. So yeah, WrestleMania 32, it's going to be a great road to WrestleMania. Thanks to you guys once again for another awesome episode, one of the most jam-packed and exciting explosive editions of WrestleMania, rather Wrestle Rant Radio today. Hopefully WrestleMania in a couple weeks will be just as entertaining as this show was today. Um, but anyway, guys, have an amazing rest of your week. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews, and I'll catch you folks down the road to WrestleMania. WrestleMania.